It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Christina. How's it going? It's it's going pretty good. I've been packing, which kind of sucks. Yes. Well, but... I mean, Mal, Mal tells me you've been putting things in boxes, and he's been going back and uh, organizing them. Has he been doing that? He did that not is, tell me that part. That is what he has told me. All right. Well, I fucking hate packing. Apparently, he likes it, which I'm like, that's good, because I fucking hate it. Apparently, that's apparent. Yeah, but we have quite a bit, like... We have quite a bit packed, so okay. I'm just concerned. It's just I hate. I wish there was a way that I could just like teleport all of my stuff. It's just like when I look at all the little things I own. Like I have so many little like knickknacks and shit. Yes. And when I look at it, I get overwhelmed. Okay. And it's like books are one. Books are easy to pack. Like I have a lot of books, but they're really easy to pack. They're mostly rectangular. It's true. Yeah, but like makeup and like pop vinyls, those are difficult. So I get overwhelmed, and then I just kind of, like, sit down and be like, fuck this. And then I look up how much a mover costs, and it was, like, $3,200, so that wasn't happening. <laughs> but, yeah. Those are your options, my dude. It's spend $3,200 or fucking do, do it, it yourself. Do Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing it myself, but, I mean, Mal is mostly doing it because... Mal is mostly doing apparently it, from what I understand. Apparently, he's better at it than me and actually enjoys yes. it, which is a good thing. But I still have to pack, like, my own shit. And I realized, I went into the bathroom yesterday and realized, fuck, I still have to pack my bathroom shit. I haven't started yeah. that at all. Do you understand how Take much time. makeup I own, Christina? Yes. I have been in your bathroom that's, before. That's true. You have. Yeah. It's I've so seen, much. I've seen the things that you own. It's so much makeup. It's not It's it's not that difficult to put it in a box, though. It, But it is. I I really hate it. I know you hate it, but, like, I just moved, and I cleared my bathroom out in about 20 minutes. I feel like it's a lot easier to move across town than it is to move five hours away. Yeah, no, I mean, putting it in boxes, Chelsea, inserting well, things into a box does not take that long. Whatever. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Cults, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, the podcast where we complain about moving, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's relevant to my life at the moment. I mean, that's the the topic that you have mentioned the last three podcasts, I well, think. Well, it's because I've been moving. like the Well, it's because like the last three podcasts, I've had to go to LA. Yes. 
the bright side of which I get to see your beautiful face. No, oh, um, you're welcome. And um, and Savannah's beautiful face. I just remember she listens to this and would be very angry if I didn't mention. That. How dare you forget <laughs> Savannah? No, Savannah came into my room last night as I was researching this, and I she, know, I know she, she did because she tweeted she, about it. Yes, she did. She came in and she was playing Stardew Valley and listening to our podcast at the same time. And she's just like, somebody's phone was going off. And I'm just like, listen, I had put mine on the bed. I hope it wasn't me. I don't know. It was know. mine. It's mine. So she, yeah, no, she she was very upset about that. because She's like, I kept thinking I had text messages. And I was like, who's texting me at midnight? And it was no one. It was us. I'm sorry. It's me. And I apologize to everyone. It's because, um. I've been, like, constantly checking my phone about apartments and job and stuff, so I apologize. When we move, it won't be bad. Like, I mean, maybe for today, put it on a soft surface so that it doesn't it actually- It is. I put it on my, like, laptop cover, which is a soft surface. Okay. So hopefully it won't make, like, a whole lot of noise. Well, we'll see. If you can hear it in the final recording, everyone, just come with us. Come at us with torches and pitchforks. Well, just me. It's just me. Come at Chelsea with torches and pitchforks. <laughs> I love Kate's tweet to us where she's like you're gonna need a tall glass of water yep because i'm so salty you were very salty uh should we shall we get into well i mean this is cult scripted conspiracies the podcast where we actually talk about is just like weird stuff weird stuff mostly right there's a a couple corrections conspiracies now corrections what are corrections well one of the corrections is very important because one of the corrections is that i was actually thinking about good omens and not hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy of vital Which importance. makes a yes. whole lot of sense since I've read Good Omens way more than I've read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Good Omens is a good book. Good Omens was written by like the two greatest authors of all time. So, um, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good book. I'm excited for book. the uh, the TV miniseries that they're making. Oh my God, me too. It's got... It's gonna be good. David Tennant playing Crowley. Holy I know. shit. I'm very excited to listen to him yell at plants. Yeah, and listen. To vaguely threaten plants. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for all of the Queen music, of mm-hmm. which there better be plenty of. Oh, man. Did I tell you the... This will make no sense to anyone who hasn't read Good Omens. Did I tell oh, no. you one time I was on Tumblr and somebody had posted a Good Omens uh, fan mix? Was it just it was like Bohemian Rhapsody over and over it was, again? No, it was like, click here to download this Bohemian... Or not Bohemian Rhapsody. This Good Omens fan mix. And uh, I, out of curiosity, clicked it to see what songs they picked, and it was just Queen's greatest hit album. Yeah, that makes um, sense. It's very good. I own that album. <laughs> I do as well. Yeah, I enjoy Queen. Yeah, I actually for then it was like I was like R.I.P. Sir Terry because if anyone, I don't know how many. I have a lot of tattoos. <laughs> We've mentioned okay. my Star Wars tattoo. I actually have. You've mentioned your Star Wars tattoo. Yeah. But I actually, I, on my ankle, I have a, a tattoo that I got three days after Sir Terry Pratchett died in remembrance of him. So, like, Terry Pratchett is, like, my favorite author of all time. So the fact that I mixed up Good Omens and Hitchhiker's Guide is a personal failing on my part. How dare you? <laughs> like, I feel very bad. How dare you? The ghosts of Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett are going to come. Is Douglas Adams dead? Douglas Adams is dead, yes. Okay, so yeah, his ghost. They'll They'll team up and they'll come for you. Yeah. But make sure you record, you document that haunting and then tell us about it on the podcast. I mean, it'll be the greatest day of my life, even though it's a haunting. Yeah. It'll be the spookiest, silliest haunting. So, but yeah, I have a, if anyone wants, if anyone else is a Discworld fan, because it's a Discworld tattoo and wants to see it, go ahead and tweet us at C3Podcast, because I love showing off my tattoos. We have, okay, so Sylvie, 
sent us a tweet on Twitter about uh, the King James Bible. Apparently the truth was just translators complaining about previous versions, which is fair. But I like to think that it was still the like, look over here. And so that he like threw it at the church. So they wouldn't notice him making out with a dude. I enjoy that story. It's a good story. That would be fun. We also have some correspondence. We don't have any stories this week. Do you want to uh, do, do them now or after, even though there's Oh, no I was stories. just going to shout them out because these are mostly just recommendations. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. These are just some... Uh, Matt and Kelsey emailed us some recommendations. Thank you, Matt and Kelsey. Yeah, but Matt also has a very important thing to talk about, about ley lines that we should mention. The Ghostbusters reboot? Yes. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for either of you to bring up the Ghostbusters reboot. The new villain was using ley lines and the power held within to conjure evil spirits and destroy New York and the world. Spoiler? I don't know. It's been out for a few years. I feel like it's not a spoiler anymore. The new one? The new one's only been out for like a year and a half. A year and a half? The new Ghostbusters? Yeah. I thought it's, it's been, been like two. Long. I thought it's been no. two years. Oh, okay. No. Let me look it up. Hold on. It was before the world went to shit. So I think it's been about two years. Oh, it was 2016. Dang. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that technically that only is like a year and a half. As of Ju- Oh, no. It's actually July 15th. It will be two years. Dang. Yeah. Where'd the time go? Well, the world ended. On November eighth, yeah. twenty sixteen, and since then time doesn't fucking matter anymore. Nothing matters. It's either felt like no time at all or a thousand years. Yes, thank you, thank you guys for your correspondence. We really appreciate that. Very good. Um, we also got an email from Sylvie who emailed us for the first time with some flailing and apparently is doing their PhD, so good luck on that, my dude. Yeah. Like definitely. Ugh, I know that life. Good luck on that. At some point, yes, please uh, please come on the podcast. We love you. Sure. Yeah. So those are basically our corrections and correspondence. Not a whole lot this week, actually. No, not a whole lot this week. I mean, I think part of it is because we've started recording at Monday. So we record Mondays and we release Fridays. So I feel like that's part of it. Possibly. There's less time for correspondence. We'll see how it all goes out, though. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe next week we'll have some more. Who knows? I, I'm kind of glad that we don't have a lot because I'm going long this I week. I know you are. Oh, my God. Yeah. I did not intend to, but I am going a long time this week. Mine, I'm going to try because mine was like going to be long and now I'm like, shit, I got to somehow make it not as long. So it's not we a can just three have a hour long fucking podcast. This can just be a long episode. Maybe. All right. Well, it's an even number, which means I'm going first, which is just yes, rude is. of you, honestly. I listen. I have no remorse. Should we say? Did we say what Savannah said about it? No, you didn't mention it. Okay. Well, when I already Savannah, closed- when Savannah came in last night uh, to complain about the phone thing, right? She asked how I was doing, and uh, she tweeted what I said back to her, which was, "I'm three pages in, and I haven't even gotten to the child abuse yet." Yep. So you got that to look forward to after my story. The final read is six and a half pages. So yeah. So. It's going to be a while. Well, mine, I actually listened to like, I listened to a whole episode of This American Life for my subject. Oh, snap. Yeah, because it's really soothing, actually. Uh, I mean, I kind of agree that it's soothing, but I just can't. I can't. You can't do it. I can't do it. That's fair. It's just too quiet. It's too quiet. It's too Unlike quiet. us, who are not quiet at all. No, I need some amount of screaming in my podcasts. I need people to be enthused about what they're talking about. Oh, screaming. I mean, I scream, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so it's me. I am in charge of that part. No, I just mean, like, 
I, I just need I just need people to be like super into what they're talking about as opposed to sort of just like soothing reporter voice. I can't do That's that. That's fair. Well, this one had a lot of it wasn't so much soothing reporter voice as it was a lot of interviews, which is why I listened to it. Okay. But anyway, I'm here to talk to you about Bobby Dunbar. Bobby Dunbar. Bobby That's Dunbar. It? Why does that name sound familiar? Well, you're probably going to figure it out as soon as I get to the end of the story. <laughs> I hope I would figure it out before. Well, we'll see. I've, we'll I've, see. I've spaced this out so that there are plot twists. Okay. Oh, snap. So Bobby Dunbar went with his family to Lake... What lake was it? It was um, in Louisiana, Swayze Lake. Swayze Lake. Swayze Lake. In August of 1912... The Dunbars, which would be the the parents, uh-huh. Bobby, and, oh, I guess his, so he had a younger brother too, but I guess he didn't go. So it was just Bobby and his parents, Leslie and Percy. Okay. And in August of 1912, they took a fishing trip to Swayze Lake in Louisiana. On the 23rd, while on that trip, Bobby Dunbar disappeared. Dun, dun, dun. So because the Dunbars were actually pretty well off. Um, and this was 1912. There was actually like a huge nationwide like hubbub about it. Mm-hmm. And there was an eight month search for Bobby Dunbar. So it made national headlines. Like people were all over about like, oh, my God, where's Bobby Dunbar? Like, look, how old was he at this time? Uh, He was four. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah, so he's very young. He was four a, years a old. A wee bab. He was yeah. a wee bab. A huge hubbub about where is Bobby Dunbar, nationwide search, lasted eight months. And after eight months, in 1913, there was a man named William Cantwell Walters, who worked as an intern handyman specializing in the tuning and repairing of pianos and organs. Walters Piano repairman. had been traveling throughout Mississippi with a boy who appeared to match the description of Bobby Dunbar. Ho. Oh. So authorities immediately claimed Bobby Dunbar and, and said that, you know, Walters had kidnapped the boy. Mm-hmm. However, Walters claimed that the boy was actually Charles Bruce Anderson, who was the son of a woman who worked for his family. Okay. Her name is Julie Anderson. Julie? Julia? Julia. Julia Anderson of North Carolina. Okay. He said that the boy's mother had willingly granted him custody. However... Walters was arrested, and authorities sent for the Dunbars to come to Mississippi to identify the boy. So here's where accounts then differ. Because right. newspapers at the time, this is 1913. Right, newspapers very at early. The, yeah, newspapers at the time apparently, like, would constantly, like, give different accounts of stories just to be different from each other. Just to, like... Just to shake things up. Yeah. So some accounts have the initial reaction. So most accounts then say that he was asleep. The boy okay. was asleep when the parents came and that there are some accounts that say Leslie, who's the wife, who's the mother, fainted when she saw him because she was so happy to see him. There okay. are some accounts that say the boy woke up and immediately recognized his parents. Okay. However, there are other accounts that say Leslie was not convinced this was her son and that the boy did not recognize them and did not recognize not only them, but did not recognize his brother. These are like the drastic poles of like, why? What? Yep. Okay. So it wasn't until the next day they allowed Leslie Dunbar to bathe him because he's four years old. Like, who right. cares? 
that she said she positively identified his moles and scars and was then certain that he was her son. Okay. So the Dunbars took this Bobby. This sounding so familiar to me. Why is this sounding so familiar to me? So the Dunbars took Bobby and they had like a huge parade in their hometown of uh, Opalousis. Okay. This is in Louisiana and I still can't pronounce it. It's probably French. So anyway, Julia Anderson, however, came to North Carolina to support Walter's contention that the boy was, in fact, her son, Bruce. She does say that she didn't just, like, give Walter's full custody. It was supposed to be, like, go visit your family for a few days, and it turned into missing for several months. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but Julia did arrive to say that, like, I mean, technically he didn't, he didn't kidnap him because I did, like, give him over to him even though i was i would assume pissed off i mean as soon as they drop off the map a bit it's probably kidnapping i feel yeah but still like saying like this isn't bobby dunbar this is my son bruce right and the thing the problem was that this is 1913 and julia at the time was unmarried and worked as a field hand for the walters family and she had had two children prior to bruce one of hmm. whom had died of SIDS, and the other, I think she just lost custody. Okay. So. So she, no one was keep taking her seriously. She was slandered pretty horribly in the newspapers. She was called illiterate. She was called a woman of the night, which there's nothing wrong with, but at the time, like, being called that in the newspaper is pretty bad. Yeah. She was called a loose woman, which is different than being a woman of the night, apparently. A loose woman does not get paid. Yeah. Uh, it was said that she cared more about, you know, the the cotton crop because she was a field hand. She cared more about the cotton crop than she did about her own children. A little rude. Yeah. So she was slandered pretty heavily in the newspapers. She also said that she positively identified the marks on the, the boy's body as her son. Mm-hmm. But Anderson was poor and the Dunbars were rich. <laughs> so now Bobby Dunbar went out to live. The rest of his life with the Dunbar family. But still, Julia ended up staying in North Carolina. Julia actually has kind of a happy ending here because she stayed in North Carolina. There was a lot of people who testified saying that Walters did not kidnap Bobby Dunbar, who then, after Walters was imprisoned, which, by the way, Walters was only imprisoned for like two years. And then he was supposed to go up for a retrial and the city decided it was too expensive and just let him go. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm like, what? <laughs> they were nah, like too expensive. This man we've we've charged and imprisoned for kidnapping. Too expensive. We're yeah. not gonna like mm, he, can't keep him. He qualified for a retrial, but instead of doing the retrial, we're just gonna let him go. We're just gonna chuck him to the wind. Yeah. Just like Good- eh, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Julia ended up staying in North Carolina and all these people that had come to the support of Walters ended up coming to her support and she actually ended up settling down in North Carolina and having I think seven children of her own dang and I listened to the this American Life podcast and they actually interviewed her two youngest children who at the time were still alive but I'm not sure now I'm, I don't know how old the this American Life episode is I think it's from 2014 okay he, oh even earlier 2008 Oh, dang. So it's from quite a while ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that their mother was actually, their mother was a nurse, became a nurse and actually was an avid reader and would read books and then retell the stories to her children. 
Okay. And she eventually got kind of religious and those books turned into just the Bible. As you do. As you do. And apparently she was like a very loving mother and but she was always like she said that if she could she would want to get custody of Bruce back which was Bobby Dunbar. She said that yeah. like her her kids grew up her kids grew up with the notion that the Dunbars had kidnapped their older brother. Their, their brother, yeah. Yeah. And they grew up about 200 miles away from where the Dunbars were. And during the interviews, the, the well, Julia's kids, who are, like, in their 80s, were saying how they wanted to go to that city, and I'm not going to try and pronounce it again, where the Dunbars were. But apparently, like, all of the buildings had the Dunbar name on it, pretty much. They, like, owned oh, like so super much. super rich. Yeah, they owned so much that they were concerned about coming into the area and being one of the people that did not agree with the story. Right. Like, when when the Dunbars came back with Bobby, there was, like, a huge parade mm-hmm. in his honor. Like, yeah. for his return. Like, people are not going to take favorably to their the, the other side of the story. Right. However, apparently, Bobby actually went over to their town in North Carolina a couple times to seek out the the children of Julia and actually talk to them. Okay. And I was I was listening to the interviews and I wasn't quite sure if like he introduced himself mm-hmm. as Bobby or if they figured it out later. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. I was listening to this last night. I I was getting kind of sleepy because it's soothing. But yeah. Curse you Ira Glass and your Curse you. voice. Yes. So anyway, so there was still some kind of residual on that as well. Now, cut to 2004. Okay. And apparently, like, this is a story that has been passed down in the Dunbars for years. And one of Bobby Dunbar's granddaughters, Margaret, was absolutely fascinated with the story. Okay. And after, I believe, her brother died, someone, someone in their family died and... To help her out, they gave her, like, all of these newspaper accounts and things that Bobby had saved over the years. And she was pouring over them, listening to, like, or not, like, reading all of the newspapers and seeing all the different kind of accounts. Mm -hmm. And she had grown up believing, like, this was just, like, a weird occurrence that, you know, her grandfather had been kidnapped and then returned. But the more she was reading about it, the more she was like, well, this seems kind of weird. Like, why is this family claiming so hard that he's actually their son? Right. And so Margaret decided that, you know, she wanted to have a DNA test done and she wasn't going to do it unless she had the permission of all of the living children of Bobby Dunbar. Mm -hmm. And she she didn't get it. But then her father had a massive heart attack and decided that he just wanted to know. Okay, so just in case he died. Yeah. So they. Did the the DNA with um, her father and one of her uncles or second cousins. I don't know how this works. One of the, hang on, how does this work? One of the children of Bobby's brother. Uh, The children of Bobby's brother would be her, yeah, second cousins. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So between her father, because it's like they know Alfonso is the name of the younger brother. They know that he's the Dunbar's child. Well, yeah. second cousins share a great grandfather, but not a grandfather. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So they sent off it, it to a lab and then said they weren't going to open it unless they were going to keep it sealed unless they had the permission of everyone involved. Well, they didn't get the permission of everyone involved. 
Who's holding out? Uh, pretty much everyone except for Margaret's. What? Why do you not? Father. Why does it matter? Who just? Why? I would totally just be like. I mean, I don't believe it, but yeah, believe in your dreams. Like, well, so Margaret's father, I think, was yeah, Bobby Jr. Uh huh. So I'm assuming the oldest, but I don't know. Were they worried that they would be like disowned by the family if they weren't actually the Dunbars? So yeah, that. Well, no, no, no. The thing was actually that they didn't. I guess because the Dunbar, maybe because the Dunbars were a well-off family, they didn't want to believe they weren't part of that lineage. Right. Well, Margaret called the lab to see when the results would come back, and the lab accidentally blurted out the results to her. Oh, snap. What are the results? They were not related to the Dunbars. Dun, dun, dun! So they were, in fact, descendants of Bruce Anderson, not Bobby Dunbar. Man, what a twist. I mean, not really, because we kind of set that up. Yeah. You kind of set that up. But I did. So, yeah, uh... The question then remains, what happened to Bobby? Yeah. So there are some theories. The most prevalent one being that apparently this Swayze Lake had a lot of alligators in it. Oh. So they think that Bobby was, uh, like, fell overboard and was eaten by an alligator. Yeah. Yeah. But it also is like, you know, Bobby, well, he grew up as Bobby. So. Right. Was four years old when it happened. So he doesn't really remember. Like, I mean, at four years old, like, I don't know, I, I guess he just didn't really remember who his parents were. Well, it's definitely a thing. Your your memories aren't really that solid when you're four. And also, there's a huge aspect of memory, which is uh, influenced by what people tell you. That's true. Like, if your parents keep telling you something happened, you will start to form memories of it, even if you don't actually remember it happening. And... The thing is, like, the people that came to Walter's defense at his trial were saying, like, they had seen him with the child way before Bobby went missing. Right. So, yeah. So, the thing is, now, like, Margaret's family is pissed at her for, like, quote unquote, turning on the family because they refuse to believe that they are not descendants of the Dunbars. Right. So I mean, they don't want to give up. They've had a pretty good, like, run here with this apparently stupid rich family that owns a bunch of stuff in Indiana. Louisiana. Louisiana. My yeah. Bad, sorry. It's Indiana okay. is where they went with the lake. So a majority of her grandfather's children and grandchildren considered themselves to be members of the Dunbar family and cherished their existing familial relationships and were resentful of Margaret for both having delved into the matter and having helped renew the topic in terms of public attention. So they're like, oh, she's only doing it for attention. But it's like, maybe she just wanted to fucking know. Also, it's not her fault that you're not related. Yeah. Like, not maybe maybe blame your grandparents or great-grandparents about yeah, that. Yeah, for technically stealing a child? Yeah. I mean, and Margaret says that she doesn't blame her great-grandparents at all mm-hmm. because... You know, Lessie was convinced after bathing the boy that it was her child. Yeah. And we'll post a picture up. They look somewhat similar, Bobby and Bruce, but also, like, not the same kid. <laughs> this is not the same child. Because I think it's like, I don't know. First of all, it looks like their hair is different colors. But anyway, so. Do you think that, do you think that she knew that her kid was gone? Like, and, and she was like didn't want to believe it or something well i think there's actually several instances throughout history of parents of like losing their children and then someone coming in and being like i'm your long lost child and them totally believing it and i think it's a denial thing it's like no you don't want to believe your child is gone 
So yeah. you're just like, you take this at face value. It's like, oh, they found this child. This is my child. Because they've told yeah. me that they found my child. And especially like in 1912, 1913, like there's not a whole lot to really go against. <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah. So I feel like if that happened today, it would be less likely to be, you know, an instance of giving the child to the wrong family. Well, there was a time, there was a family who uh, their son was kidnapped, I think in the, it was in either the 80s or 90s, their son was kidnapped and disappeared. Yeah. And they were searching for him for ages and ages and ages. And this guy in Spain um, had been arrested and he was trying to get out of it. And he basically told them that he was this American kid. He like lied to get out of being arrested saying that he was younger than he was and that he was this American kid who'd been kidnapped. And the con went so far as to the international like organization that helps with finding missing children to fly him to America and reintroduce him to his supposed parents who then adopted him back into their life and started sending him to high school. Like, they just, they they had like doubts or whatever but they they didn't really question it and it was like this was just some random ass dude from spain who was lying the whole time yeah and this was pretty contemporary too so i mean it's just a matter of like parents just don't want to believe that their child is gone forever yeah you know and unfortunately in this case it also robbed another woman of her child yeah which is messed up but like i said like the happy ending for her is that she if it wasn't for the trial she would not have made it to north carolina and she wouldn't have had the chance to start a new life Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting because even when her children were interviewed for the this american life show they even said that they don't necessarily regret the things that happened because she ended up having a better life because of it even though she spent her whole life missing bruce and knowing I mean, that Bruce was out there, yeah. but she was unable to raise him herself. Well, at the very least, she knew that he was having a good life. Yeah, at least there's that. Yeah. So it's but not even like your still. kid. Yeah. Yeah. And she was too afraid to ever go over to Louisiana because, again, mm. they owned fucking everything. Right. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? But yeah, so mine, you know, pretty, pretty short. That's the story of Bobby Dun- the disappearance of Bobby Dunbar, who... Uh, probably died in the lake. Oh, yeah, and was replaced by Bruce Anderson. That's rough. I feel the the person I feel the saddest for is Margaret because like her family fucking hates her now, and I'm yeah. like she was just like curious about what happened. Like you guys no. are resentful of the fact that she found the truth. Yeah, it's not her fault that this happened. She just wanted to know for sure. Like. It, you wouldn't be mad at her if she'd found out that it was true that you guys were Dunbar's. Yeah. You're just mad at her. You're you're taking out your anger at the results on her because she's the one who's telling them to you. And apparently a lot of them are still, like, saying that the results are not true. Okay. Because, you know, of course they are. Uh, and they're saying that Margaret only did it for the attention, that she only brought it up for the attention that the results aren't true, that they just wanted to stir up this whole controversy. But it's like... It's actually more likely that, I mean, even without the the DNA results, I'm like, honestly, after eight months, it is more likely that they that the police just found another kid that kind of looked like him, and we're like, here's your son. Well, I mean, like they don't know necessarily exactly what he looks like, so they see this kid that matches, and like, oh, this probably is it. He's traveling with this weird, strange man. Well, and it's again a technically well- kidnapped him, also. Yeah, but again, it's also like a well-off family, so yeah. of course the police are gonna want to find this kid their kid yeah yeah so and yeah and they end up you know 
deciding to deciding like oh this guy is kind of weird and has this kid let's say the, the and the kid you know looks like this picture we this picture we have of bobby mm-hmm. so we're gonna say they're the same person well they're it was it was the mom who eventually actually did say it was the same person yeah but i, I mean the police at first were like this is your son and it, and you know accounts are accounts differ as to what the first interaction looked like and we don't know what it was because everyone who was alive at the time is dead yeah dang and bobby was too young to really remember probably no, yeah he's like four he's yeah. four yeah so you know and, and and then his brother is even younger so he definitely wouldn't remember no but yeah and lessie decided lessie she didn't decide she was convinced i'm sure that this was her son unless she did decide i don't think she did i think she honestly was convinced that it was her son all right i don't know i i I guess I kind of feel for the. I I I guess I don't think that she's that cynical or that like mischievous that she'd want to steal a child away from its mother. I mean, I don't think that those were her motivations. I think it was most of a thing of her not being able to come to grips with the fact that her child was gone, and just willing to accept any child. But yeah, just to but have that, that idea. But that, that means that she's convinced that this is absolutely her son. No, it might not be. It might be that she's she's telling, trying to convince herself that. That's what I'm saying. I guess it's like she might know the truth, but is in is trying to be in denial, is being like, no, 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 this this will be Bobby, kind of a thing. I mean, maybe I don't know. You know, again, we can't know for sure because they all did. They all very did. Yeah, but yeah, that's the disappearance of Bobby Dunbar. All right, and the whole controversy surrounding that. And it's a good thing that that was really short, because apparently yours is fucking long as shit. Eh, probably a little bit, yeah. Oh my god. And it's, like, depressing the whole time. Uh, well, you know, that's just what happens when you're talking about a cult, because I'm talking about a cult. Oh, wonderful. But what is the takeaway from the from the Bobby Dunbar story? The takeaway from the Bobby Dunbar story is that just because a kid kind of looks like another kid doesn't mean they're the same fucking person. Luckily, we have DNA testing now. Yeah, we do. We do have DNA yeah. testing now, which is how we now find out, like, a hundred years later, that the boy raises Bobby Dunbar was actually Bruce was Anderson. Not, was not Bobby Dunbar. Yeah. Always get the DNA tested, everyone. Yeah. Just do just it. Just do it. Just in it case. It doesn't matter if your family's mad at you. They're dicks. Get the DNA Also, tested. like, it doesn't matter if you're blood relative. That's still your family. Yeah. But it's just like the thing is, it's it's closure for the Andersons, and it was also closure for the Walters because they grew up with like you know this person in their family was a fucking child kidnapper, and now they get to know like well he wasn't except he kind of was, but like semi was, <laughs> yeah like he kind of was a little bit a little bit. But anyway, uh, it was it was closure for the other two families. Like that, just because you aren't blood relative doesn't mean they're not your family. But it is mm-hmm. closure for the other families that are involved. Yes, and I think that's what would. I think that's what kind of drove Margaret to find the truth. And I think that was the important part of finding out what the truth was. Yes, I agree. So, yeah, uh, just because just, I'm sorry, your family, your dick, though, Margaret. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry that they're all assholes. Well, We're being rude to you and for this something was, that's not your fault. Yeah, this is 2008. Maybe by now they've gotten better. I don't know. It Hopefully. has been 10 years. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I hope for Margaret's sake that they've like come to terms with the fact that, you know, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. but you know whatever well thank you for recounting this story to us chelsea you're welcome i i enjoyed hearing it from because often you will like read from articles and whatnot i enjoy he- hearing a story from like your your storytelling grasp like you taking the facts and making a tale of it 
Yeah. I, t- cool. I tried. I tried to make like the plot twist, but like I kind of gave it away in the beginning because like yeah, you can't still, not. Yeah. You can't not. But no, it was still it was a good story. Thank you. You're welcome. I liked it. So like I said, I'm talking about cult. Yep. A couple weeks ago, we had a listener named Susan email us. Uh, I don't know if you remember. The email was a while ago. But she mentioned a cult that had a branch in her hometown called the Twelve Tribes. I do remember this, yeah. Yeah. So I have done some digging into the Twelve Tribes. And what I have for you today is the fruits of my Googling labor. Six and a half pages, including child Six abuse. and a half pages of Googling labor. Great. I'm already coloring. Great. Excellent. Uh, to start off with, I want to talk about a guy named Albert Eugene Spriggs. Sure. The information I got from his early life is mostly from the 12 Tribes' website itself. So probably not super accurate. Yeah, take this with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. So he was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee in 1937. You can take this part saltless. I don't think they had a reason to lie about this bit. Okay. Well, that bit anyway. The following, you know. Albert Eugene Spriggs is actually Albert Eugene Spriggs Jr. Okay. So for ease, I'm going to refer to him as Eugene, which is the name he usually goes by. Okay. And his father is Albert. Okay. Albert was a super Christian dude, apparently, and he raised Eugene to be one also. What is what is what is it about people being super religious that like if you raise your kid to be super religious, they might start a cult. So maybe don't do that. Yeah, I mean like that's kind of been a reoccurring theme of this podcast. Yeah. Like maybe just again, like maybe just like have religion in your life if you think it's necessary, but also don't make it like the be all end all of their lives. But then again, also some cult leaders were not raised super religious and they just found it themselves and went all gung ho on it. You know? Yeah. It just some people. So the Twelve Tribes website described him as quote unquote troubled by the fact that he quote was doing things he knew were wrong. Okay. Uh, those things are apparently stuff like partying and having friends as a teen, but also drinking and smoking, which are bad for you, so that's fair. When you're a teenager, yes, they are very bad for you. Drinking and smoking are technically medically bad for you no matter when. Well, you know? I'd say drinking in moderation is okay. Smoking Drinking in, in moderation is fine. Is bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, smoking's just bad for you. Drinking in moderation, you'll be fine. It's okay. But like excessive drinking or just even like more than regular drinking yeah well done kill your liver yeah so the way it's described on the website makes it kind of seem like all teens go through this harrowing age of self-abuse and via party and debauchery but my teenage years were mostly played playing or mostly spent playing a lot of video games and like doing musicals so i don't know what's up with that true story uh i was invited to a high school party when i was in Mm -hmm. high school and decided not to go because i wanted to finish the book i was reading that yeah yeah i can see it yep yeah i feel that that's a true story right there apparently though eugene fell to peer pressure real hard as a teen and in college where he apparently got married all right the the way it is described is this sense of guilt caused him to enter into a marriage at 19 before he was prepared for the responsibilities of such a commitment the marriage was very short-lived well yeah i'm speculating Uh uh-huh but this sounds like Eugene may have knocked somebody up and then felt Christian guilt about it and married her. Does it say anything about there being kids? No. Okay. Never mentions it. Doesn't say his first wife's name. I looked at many articles and I could not find any information about his early life. But that, I mean, that's fairly common. Yeah. So that uh, would make sense. It would make sense. Why else would he marry her at 19 and like not be prepared of the responsibilities for that? Well, the other thing that's fairly common was I really 
want to have sex, but that's true. My God says I'm not allowed to until I'm married, so I'm gonna get married at 19 so I can have sex. That's true. That could be another thing. Yeah. They were basically t- still teenagers, so it didn't work out. And then he was in Eugene was in the army for a bit, and then he left. He wasn't like honorably dishonorably discharged or anything. He just left the army. He just after left. His- okay. Yeah. Uh, and then he was a high school teacher and got remarried. Okay. He was a high school teacher. Yes. This is eventually going to turn into a cult. And for a yes. time, he was a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Just uh, just making sure I'm hearing that correctly. Indeed. Then he stopped being a high school teacher. Okay. And he worked for a carpet company. Can you imagine being one of those kids that he taught and then like- Yeah, later, like remembering that? Yeah. And being like, oh, dang. wonder if there's any like red flags. There, there probably was. Let's be real. As a teacher, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's difficult to say because, well, you'll find out. Okay. Apparently, he was still suffering. And that is the word the 12 tribes uses. He suffered. Okay. Because the life choices he made as a manager of this carpet company. Okay. So again, it sounds to me like Eugene was getting up to some crazy stuff again. And this time, there's no peer pressure to blame it on. His second marriage fails. He quits or loses his job at the carpet company and becomes a travel agent. It doesn't say if he quits or loses his job? No, it just says he left the carpet company. Oh, so, okay. They make it seem like he did it of his own volition, but again, this is from the Twelve Tribes' website, so I don't know how honest they're being. Right, fair. It was around this point that Elbert, his father, died. Okay. His final deathbed wish was that Eugene give his life to God, which is not exactly, like, in the top five of deathbed wishes. No. Yeah, Eugene was probably hoping for something like, don't tell them where I buried the money or whatever. But yeah. now his, his dad's like, give your life to God. Yeah, probably and not Eugene the best was- thing to say on your deathbed, dear child, who apparently yeah, is maybe. susceptible to starting cults. Uh, I mean, he didn't know that yet. And he would never know. Albert would never know. Right. But Eugene told his dad, yeah, sure. And then kind of ignored him. <laughs> uh, he got married again. But from the get-go, it really was not working. How out. many times does this fucker get married? This is marriage three. Okay. So 12 Tribes blames this on the 60s. Okay. It literally says, Gene was still caught up in the life of the turbulent 60s. Like, that's the reason why this guy keeps not being able to keep a job or a spouse. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think that was it. Can I blame my life and, and mistakes upon the the 2000s? Can I be like, oh, you know, it's like 2018, so nothing's really my fault. Well, I mean, I feel like after the economic crisis of 2008, we can pretty much blame everything on that. Yeah. And now we get to blame everything on the fact that we have a dictator as our president. So perfect. There we go. Nothing is our fault anymore, everyone. No, you're free. (laughs) So Eugene goes to visit relatives in California, but he gets waylaid and stops by Alabama, which is not California, very far away from it, to hang out with a friend who runs a carnival. And his friend's like, Hey, Gene, I hear your third marriage is not working out. Want to chill with me in my carnival for a while? Yep. And Eugene's like, yeah, sure. I got nothing else going on. So he stays there for two weeks doing carnival stuff, uh, which is not like a brief visit, but whatever. And apparently (laughs) the crazy and debaucherous life of a carny is just too much for him. I'm just saying two weeks in like two weeks is brief if you think about it on like uh, a galactic scale. If you're thinking of, like, a cosmic scale, yeah. 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 I'm like, it's just a speck of time like in our, the infinite of the universe. Our lives are brief, brief visits, if you think about it on a cosmic scale. It, if you think about it, we're all just brief visits at a carnival. That could be a quote that we, like, put on a sticker. 
<laughs> it means nothing. Nope. But yeah, Most so sports apparently, really don't. Yeah, you're not wrong. The way it's described, this carnival was a den of sin and the origin of all mankind's wickedness. That's how they make it out. All see. right. In the 12 tribes thing. I cannot help but imagine an American Horror Story sort of scenario. See, I'm imagining... I didn't watch American Horror Story, so I'm imagining the carnival from Big Fish with Danny DeVito. The carnival from Big Fish is so good, though. I know, but Danny DeVito's like a werewolf. I mean, that's true, but, like, he's a wholesome werewolf. Yeah, but, like, that's all I'm imagining. The American Horror Story one was, as described, a horror story. Well, but I'm saying... Season five? Yeah, I'm saying that I don't uh, I don't trust his account of the carnival. No. So he viewed it as American Horror Story, but in reality, it was Big Fish. Yeah. Go watch Big Fish, everyone. It's such a good it film. It is. It's so good. It's Tim Burton's like best film, I think. It's so excellent. And it doesn't have Johnny Depp in it. It doesn't. It has Ewan McGregor in it. Yeah, it's so much better. I love Ewan McGregor. Me too. So I super doubt that it was as bad as Eugene described it. It was probably just carnies being carnies. But Eugene was having a midlife crisis, and he overcorrected his life like a sticky jelly hand snapping back. <laughs> so he did allegedly you write that down. Yes, of course you did. He, I was typing this up, and I'm like, "What's a good, what's a good simile for uh, overcorrection?" And all that I came up with at 1:30 in the morning was sticky jelly hand snapping back. Oh my god! So he allegedly spent some time in a philosophical state, pondering the meaning of existence and the like. I mean, sure, we all do that. You know, like, I've definitely spent some time lying in a backyard staring at the sky being like, why are we here? Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. I also do it in the bathtub because it's way more relaxing. It's very soothing in tubs. Yeah. Tubs are great. They are. But apparently Eugene's third wife was like, ew, existential reflection, and divorced him. I mean, I'm sure there was more reasons than that. I have many grains of salt that I take this with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, "Mm, I have a whole salt shaker here. That I'd, mm. I am Lot's wife. I am Lot's wife. So, anywho, Eugene decides to give his whole life to God and keeps just trekking to California. It's the 70s. Jesus is a big deal. This is when, the, like, the Jesus revival was going on in California. And Eugene dives headfirst into the Christian community there. At as, first as you do. As you do. But at first it's great. And he's like, but, but eventually he gets to the point where he's like, these people are Jesus posers. They only like Jesus because he's popular. And he gets all mad about it, like he didn't just get into Jesus four days ago. Uh, So he decides to leave the coast, and he heads to the mountains, where maybe people will be super into God, as he is now. And in, as the 12 Tribes describes, uh, as the 12 Tribes website describes it, an unspoiled mountain village in the Rockies, Eugene meets Marsha. Okay. Is this wife number four? This is wife number four. Okay. Let's Marcia just keep track. Anyone keeping track at home? This is number four. If, if you have a tally, this is the fourth wife. I was going to say bingo, but that doesn't make any fucking sense. You need five of them for bingo. Yeah. So. Well, and also, like, who has a bingo card of, like, just wife number one, two? Like, no. It's, it's, you're keeping a list. You're keeping a list. So Marsha apparently wasn't super into religion, but she was super into Eugene and also philosophical debate. Uh, so she was like, okay, but if, there's all, if all these people are so holy and good, why don't they ever put their money where their mouth is, Bible-wise? And Eugene, I think, took this as, like, a challenge, because this is super foreshadowing for the rest of the story. Oh, great. So Eugene talks a lot about God, and Marcia seems into it, and the two get married and then move back to Tennessee. Okay. And this is where the other sources I can take info from come in. And so the inf- information salt content rises, so you do not need to add your own. So Okay. 
I mean, I'm going to add my own anyway, but feel I mean, free. Yeah. Feel free. Chattanooga apparently had all of these like disillusioned at risk in need youths running around. Sure. And so Eugene's like, come children, let's talk about God and stuff. <laughs> and the children were like, will there be free food? Please. We are so hungry. And Eugene was like, uh, sure. And the kids are like, sweet. But the more he talks to them about God and stuff, the more they're into it. And he is like, he is helping them out. He, Eugene and Marsha basically open their home to all these youths. And they start this thing called the Light Brigade. I mean, I'm just saying, did they feed them pizza? Because we college students, like, pizza is the key to anyone's heart. It is the key, yeah. The Light Brigade was like a cool youth ministry. Uh, and in 1972, Eugene was the cool youth minister. But not like in a dream daddy kind of cool youth minister <laughs> sense. It was more like the the kind of like wears a lot of flannel and doesn't cut his hair because the Bible says not to kind of way. That's a weird path to take in dream daddy, though. The minister. The 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 cool youth minister. Oh, I loved him. I loved Christian. He's great, but it's just like weird because of the family. Or no, what was his name? It was Joseph. Is yeah. his name Joseph? Yeah. No, his family was super weird. He and his, his, like his wife's wife? problems. Yeah. Also, none of those kids were his. Yeah. That's my dream daddy conspiracy theory. None of those children are Joseph's kids. Okay, we're going to have a whole episode of just dream daddy conspiracy theories. <laughs> but I mean, like, okay, so like his name's Joseph. His wife's name's Mary. All of their kids. There's like christian and like uh christy and all, they're all named after christ yeah none of them are his he's joseph yeah yeah that's my conspiracy theory uh game grumps come at me let me know <laughs> anyway so eugene and Marsha have a coffee shop called the lighthouse because they like to capitalize on a theme okay what's creepy is there's a fucking there's a fucking christian bookstore like near my parents house it's called the lighthouse mm, my dude yeah so it might be related, as you'll find out later. Oh, no. Uh, so they all, the, the two lived above it with all of these kids. And I get the feeling that the teens also worked in the lighthouse as part of their whole deal. Eventually, the light brigade becomes like its own little mini cult with the Spriggses and all of these teens that they have found. Mm -hmm. Technically, they're still a part of the First Presbyterian Church, but that would not last much longer. Okay. Because Eugene went to church one day and found out that the service wasn't happening because it was Super Bowl Sunday. And <laughs> everyone was busy. Yeah, no, everyone was busy worshiping in the altar of the NFL. And Eugene's like, this church is stupid and capitalistic. I'm going to make my own church. However, there is no blackjack and hookers. It's like the opposite of that. Right. I, I would join a church with blackjack and hookers. I don't know how to play blackjack and I'm not really interested in hookers, but it sounds fun. I enjoy blackjack. I'd play the blackjack for you. It's fine. Let's go to Vegas together. But we have to get like one of those like masks that like filters air for you because otherwise I can't go back. Okay. <laughs> so Eugene starts his group, which is called the Vine Community Church, and he starts collecting followers. Okay. Everybody starts living communally and they start a bunch of restaurants in the South to, found to fund their group. But people found them weird. Okay. A little weird. For one thing, they were super, they went all out in the Bible. They were 100% putting their money where their mouth is in the Bible. And this is where some of the beliefs of the 12 tribes come in because once Eugene was free to do his own thing, he did it hard. Oh, dear. Real hard. There is no separation of spirituality and normal life in 12 tribes. It's God time 24 7. Oh, God. And if you're not doing your best to be good and holy, then you're not living right. This basically involves giving up all your worldly possessions, of course. not cutting your hair, and wearing long, loose clothing. Okay, not cutting your hair? 
Not cutting your hair. You're not supposed to cut your hair. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is a thing in the Bible. Yeah. I forgot about that. Men don't shave. You don't cut your hair. So the ladies wear skirts and harem pants and have their hair long. Well, the at least they're allowed also- to wear harem pants. Yeah, no, they can wear pants. They just can't show any skin above the ankle. Scandalous. Scandalous. Or shoulders. Right. Can't show shoulders. The dudes also have their hair long and everyone's all covered up, like I said, above the ankle. A Vice article I read about this describes them as hipsters with lots of flannel. Mm, hipsters wear tight clothing. Now. Oh, okay. I see. So like old school this was, hipsters. This was like in 2008, I think this article was written. Something like that. It was a while ago. All right. The Vice article anyway. In a very cult move, everyone who joins 12 tribes gets a new name. Oh, of course. It is a traditional Hebrew name because the 12 tribes is not down with the New Testament. They think Jesus is cool, but they call him by his Hebrew name, Yahshua. Okay. Uh, Eugene also got a new name or title or whatever, which is Yannick. All right. They're also super against mainstream Christianity. Of course they are. Yeah. One pamphlet uh, on the subject, which was described by an ex-member, and it is said that Christianity, mainstream Christianity, is... The whore spoken of in Revelations. That just makes Christianity sound awesome now. I, the idea being like mainstream Christianity wait, wait, wait. is literally... Wait, yeah. they're against the New Testament. Yes. But they agree with fucking Book of Revelations? There's a lot happening here. Because we, we've been over this before, how yeah. Revelations is actually the New Testament. We're, there's a lot okay. happening here. Okay. And I can't answer all of your questions because it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It seems kind of like, okay, so I'll go into it a little bit later. So members of 12 tribes don't drink or smoke, which is fine because I don't either. Yeah, I they mean, that's also, fine. They also, however, don't vote, watch television, read the newspaper, read books, listen to the radio, or send their children to public school. Okay, that's fucked up. All of the 12 tribes kids are homeschooled, which is not a knock against homeschooling, but also... Some people shouldn't homeschool. Also, I, I have a slight knock against homeschooling because, like, I can understand it for some kids, but for a majority of kids, it's like, they they need some kind of social structure. They definitely need some kind of social structure. Isolating children is not the best. And there are no. some homeschools that it's like they have a homeschool community, so they still have prom yeah. and dances and stuff, which is right, right, right. better. And then there's a lot of parents that decide to homeschool their kids for one reason or another but they still like like if they have special needs like that are not being catered to in a public school like special medical needs and stuff yeah like that. but they still have them join like girl scouts boy scouts and yeah. sports and things like that like that's fine that's good that's um, wholesome. this is not no so things start to get aggressively culty from here oh so i mean it wasn't already <laughs> if they were not before it gets worse Eugene Spriggs started this culture of non-thinking and non-questioning in his group. I'm sorry, non-thinking? Not, like, you don't think. Don't think about stuff. Don't think, just do? Yes. Here's a quote. When God commands us, if we stop to consider the matter to see if there is sufficient reason for us to do it, then we are still living according to the flesh. If the elders say, you need to move to, and you say, what is the reason for that? I'm doing fine here, etc., no matter how good you may do in the flesh, you cannot go past that rebellion. Okay, so basically they're saying that when your thoughts say something, it's God and you need to like go with your first instinct no matter what? No, it's when your elders tell you to do something, it's God that's, and you need to listen to them. That's even worse. Yeah, no, the whole idea is like you cannot be of the flesh. You have to like be of the spirit or whatever. But to be of the spirit, apparently you cannot have your own independent thought. 
But the elders are allowed to have their own independent thought. Well, they got a direct pipeline to God, apparently. So what what constitutes an elder? Like, how do you become an elder? Why do you... You just have to be in the group for a real long time, and Spriggs has to trust you. Okay. Basically, the whole idea is don't think, do as I tell you. Is this guy still alive? Yes. Wonderful. A former member named Michael Painter said, If an elder questioned Spriggs' teachings, he would lose his place of authority. Dissenting elders were also talked about in the Apostolic Working Workers meetings. Uh, they had, like, different... He's technically, like... So Spriggs is the guy who started it, but he's not, like, the quote-unquote leader of the cult. There's different communities, but okay. they all run off of his base teachings. Right, yeah. So, I mean, he is the leader. In a way. He's the ideological leader. Yeah. yeah. So followers were also strongly encouraged to break all ties with their families because they would corrupt the path to spiritual fulfillment, fulfillment and whatnot. So, again, we have isolation and don't think about it. <laughs> Great. Also, did I mention, and I kind of did a little bit, that this is a doomsday cult? Of course it is. Yep. Twelve tribes totally believes that we're living in the end times and that there's going to be a second coming of Christ any day now to wipe us all us sinners out. Sure. Their whole thing is that they have to get the church back to how it should be by recreating the 12 tribes of Israel, hence their name, which will kick off the second coming and Jesus will come back and rain judgment down. Okay. So that's why they don't believe in it. They believe that the majority of the New Testament is like, like mainstream Christianity propaganda, which is meant to mislead us to prevent the second coming kind of a thing. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. The only people who will survive this and go to heaven are the people who are doing one Christianity 100% right. And according to Eugene slash Yannick, he is the only one who's cracked the code. A website run by a former 12 Tribes member called 12tribes-x.com, it's E-X, not the letter X, Okay. Uh, has this quote from the community. We are the light and the hope of the world. We are the only ones who can reclaim this earth for its maker. We are the only ones whose lives of love and pure devotion, like a bride for her groom, can bring heaven to earth. All other attempts to do so are not merely futile, but are evil. I'm just like aggressively coloring now. I know. The whole end times thing is performed in their teachings by, like I said earlier, giving up all your worldly possessions, and then metaphorically dying via baptism. So you got to be rebaptized. Yeah, well, what? Yeah. Uh, Eugene was just out there, like, baptizing people to save them from the apocalypse, and it pissed off the church. Yeah. Apparently they were doing this in public, like in a public park, and it freaked people out. Yeah. We've mentioned it before uh, with groups like the People's Temple, but apparently it was the 12 tribes that kicked off the cult scare of the 1970s. Oh, good. So this would eventually lead into the satanic panic of the 80s, but this is the historical moment of scaring the so social society nationwide. People started uh, making a living as cult deprogrammers, and these people are not the knights in shining armor of these stories. Oh, no. No, cult deprogrammers straight up kidnapped and tortured people under the guise of freeing them from alleged cults. Yeah, they're not super great. No, but in this case, family members were calling for their kids to actually be freed from a cult. So yeah, but the problem is, that. like, cult deprogrammers are also, they, they kind of, like, a descendant of cult deprogrammers would be the people that kidnap children to bring them to those fucking, like, teenager camps. Mm -hmm. that... Like the, the, what's it called? The training camps, like the anti-homosexuality camps yeah, and those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this, 
this isn't the only struggle that 12 tribes was having with the rest of the Chattanooga community. There were also all the allegations of child abuse. Of course there is. Of course there is. This is where the child abuse comes in. Yay, child abuse. We're at the end of page four. Jesus fucking Christ, Christina. Yeah, so 12 tribes had a lot of kids in it, still does. And these are all kids with who were given new Hebrew names and were isolated from the rest of the world. But also, in the Bible, there's a passage about not sparing the rod, which is translated in 12 tribes as, feel free to beat kids if they're screwing up. Yep. There's a lot if, of uh, cults that seem to think that's okay. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. A former member described the mindset as children are the future, so they need to be perfect for when Yahshua shows up. They yeah, must not okay. they must not play games, have toys, whistle, play make believe, or per, per, possess books that anthropomorphize nature. I'm sorry. Uh, like whistle? Whistle. Can't whistle. It's too too whimsical. Jesus fucking Christ. It literally like I was reading some stuff and they were saying that those things were too foolish and that they would fill your head with foolish non-god thoughts. And you also, like, you couldn't have, if, if there was a book that had, like, a talking dog or a smiling sun, like a, a any kid's book, couldn't have that. That was, like, against God. They can't misbehave in any way, and to teach them that, you need to beat them. So in, in public statements, 12 tribes have said that their corporal punishment only extends to spanking and the like. But former members have said there is a policy that any adult in the community can, quote-unquote, discipline any child... For any reason. This is sounding a lot like uh, Waco. A little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes this is with sticks and switches. Sometimes it's for hours. Yeah. And if you aren't sure how long you ki- should beat your kid for, for an infraction, there is a handy dandy 267 page child training manual that the cult gives you when you join. Great. In 1977, Eugene took some of his people and moved out of Tennessee to Vermont. The 12 Tribes website frames this transition as a fleeing of unfair prosecution. There was a growing 12 Tribes community called the Northeast Kingdom Community in Vermont, and things in Tennessee were getting a little too tense for comfort. Well, yeah, because Tennessee's super Christian, and there's this group that is like, Christianity is the whore. Yep, but we're doing Christianity, but we're doing it right. And also baptizing people in parks. So are they still in Vermont? Yes. Okay. Hang on. Let me, let me, I'm going to, we don't have a camera, but pretend I'm like looking directly into the camera to, to face the audience. And I would like uh-huh. to give a personal. Office, sh- she's looking directly into your eyes. Imagine Chelsea sitting before yes. you looking directly into your eyes, yes. beseeching you. And I am talking specifically to uh, Senator Bernie Sanders because you've disappointed me these last couple of years, <laughs> but. In order to win back my favor, I'm just saying, um, if you want to just make these guys fuck off, that would be wonderful. That would be good, actually. Yeah. That would be a very good thing for you to do. So uh, Mm. this is me personally pleading with you to the camera, which doesn't exist, to please, please tell these people to fuck off and uh, maybe take all the kids away. That would be good. This has been a PSA. This has been a PSA. To one person who does not listen to, to one this podcast. Person. No, <laughs> not at all. This is how we find out that Bernie Sanders listens to the podcast. That would be so weird. That would be really weird. So Eugene pieces out of Chattanooga and relocates to Vermont. His people set up a large plot of land uh, away from the city where they can farm and live in isolation. But they also open more restaurants. 
There's one particular chain of restaurants that has been very successful since the cult's beginning, which is called the Yellow Deli. Okay, I was afraid you were going to say it's like the fucking Cheesecake Factory or something. This is and I called was be Chipotle. No. Really upset that I can never go back to the Cheesecake Factory. It's called the Yellow Deli. And I have eaten at a Yellow Deli. Are you serious? Yes. Oh. There's one in California. There's a couple in California, but there's one in Vista where, and that's where my a friend of a family lives. That's where my and grandma lives. My This friend of my family literally took us there several times because I literally saw her and my mom on Sunday and I mentioned this place to them and they're like, oh yeah, they love that restaurant. The food's so good. They had no idea it was run by a cult. What kind of food is it? It's like like homemade vegan food. It's like supposedly super good for you. It's actually pretty tasty, I will say. And I do distinctly remember all the people working there. Like they were wearing plain, like neutral colored clothing, really long covering all of them. All the ladies had very long braids and their heads were covered in scarves and all the dudes had massive beards. Like I remember that and thinking like, is this like a hippie commune? It's a cult. Oh, fuck. I had no idea that it was a cult until I started researching this. And then Listeners. I was like, wait, I've been there. Listeners, I'm now directly talking to you, to the non-existent camera. If there's a Yellow Deli in your area, don't fucking eat there. Don't go. Listen, so the thing about the Yellow Delis is that they're all either on or near college campuses. Uh, of course they are. They're open 24 hours a day. Wait, what day. fucking college is in Vista? There isn't, there isn't shit in Vista. There's a college in Vista. There is? I think it's a community college. Okay. Though. So they're open 24 hours a day, but they're closed on the weekends because 12 Tribes, I believe, observes the Sabbath on both Saturday and Sunday. Sure. I'm not completely sure. I know for a fact they observe it on Saturday. Got a little bit of Seventh-day Adventist here? A little bit, a little bit. A little bit of like Judaism influence also. Right, yeah. So the Yellow Delis also have good food and free Wi-Fi. Which you you know is basically a siren song to college students. Right, and also hilarious because they're not allowed to like use the computer exactly well i mean they have okay apparently so they do have like some of them do have access to a computer because they do maintain a website right the majority of them just don't right but it would only be as a job that they would have access to a computer it wouldn't be for fun no so yeah fun fun is uh, the devil yeah so the whole idea is that the they set these places up as welcoming spaces to get youths in to indoctrinate them what if we like went to a yellow deli and ate there and then left without paying because uh, and if they try and stop us, we're just like, well, God told us not to pay. <laughs> I don't want to support this, though. I mean, again, we wouldn't be. We'd just we be wouldn't eating their pay. Food. We'd be we'd be ditching. Yeah. yeah. But back to the child abuse yeah. in case you forgot about that part. No, I didn't. So the group had cut a lot of ties when it left Tennessee, but in Vermont, they were putting down roots again. And they had followers spreading all over America, but into other countries as well, like Spain, France, Germany, and Australia. So places with large white Christian populations. But they also, some have even made it to Japan. There is a yellow deli in Tokyo. Oh, that's weird. In the the 1980s, things were not well in the home community, however. Allegations of child abuse are being leveled on them, and the Vermont State Police and Social Services busted in and raided the compound in 1984. Well, at least that happened at some point. They seized 112 kids, but had to release all the children the same day. Uh, Of course. They didn't have warrants for the individual children, so the raid was deemed unconstitutional. Because none of the children had, like, a lot of the children did not have... We're not going by their birth names, the names on their birth certificates, because they were being given new cult names. Uh, the whole mess fell apart. The The charges 
were initially leveled against this guy named Eddie Wiseman, who is a big deal in the group and is basically like the second in command. Okay. There are there are also several child custody cases filed against him for children being moved and kept away from their parents. Okay, I have a question. Because yes. these, these children, you just said they, they aren't going by the name on their birth certificate because they're given new names when they join the cult. But what about children yes. born within the cult? Children born within the cult are not born in hospitals. They don't have birth certificates. But, like, they're they're just given cult names when they're yeah. born. Okay. Yes, but they don't have documentation. Okay. There's, like, no, there's no, like, they, they don't file forms for these children. These uh. children are born in the cult. They don't exist legally according to, like, any census records or anything. That's great. Yeah. So, the, the thing is, the, the, like I said, they're being moved away from their parents. There's a whole thing about people who are in the cult uh, being moved to avoid people trying to get out of them. Like, people get them out of the cult. Yeah. There was an incidence of a family in Australia who had joined the cult. And when their family members tried to contact them, the cult moved them around to different cities on purpose so they would be harder to find. Jeez. They do a similar thing with, with young children as well. Jesus. So Eddie's public defender, a woman named Jean Swanko, got all of the charges against him dropped. She then later did. joined the cult and married him. Uh, of course. Yep. Uh, a brief aside, I found these descriptions of courtship and marriage in the cult, and I wanted to read it for you. Do you have to? Uh, it's weird. It's not... Uh, well, here. So... Courtship within the community involves a waiting period in which the man or woman expresses their desire to get to know another person. The couple then receives input from the community while spending time together. The couple is betrothed, engaged, if their parents, or the entire community, if they're adults, confirm their love and compatibility. The couple is then permitted to hold hands. Weddings are dramatized pre-enactments of what the group believes will happen at the end of time when Yashul returns to Earth for his bride. So you have a fucking rapture-themed wedding? You have a rapture-themed wedding. Okay. You have a river of fire-themed wedding where Jesus comes back to to destroy the sinners. I mean, in different circumstances, that would sound kind of awesome. It would be a little bit metal to have a rapture-themed wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Another of the group's practices is the idea of apprenticeship with teenagers. So oh, I no. am not... Against the idea of teenagers working if they can and want to. But these apprenticeships are usually in one of the cult's restaurants or other cottage industries, are unpaid, and violate child labor laws in America. Yeah. There have been several cases leveled against the 12 tribes for that. Uh, in Germany, they've super cracked down on them, especially in recent years. The, the largest reasons for that are that homeschooling is not allowed in Germany. Oh, wow. And... Yeah, they, it's illegal, and so is corporal punishment. You are not allowed to hit your kids at all well, with corporal, anything. Okay, so corporal punishment should be illegal. I again, it should be. I yeah. have issues with homeschooling, but I don't think it should be illegal because again, there are some instances where it's like you know, the public school or whatever. Like, I don't know. You know what? I, you know what I'm trying to say? No, I know what you mean. I just think that homeschoolers should be inspected by the government there should i think be it like should a, be more regulated yes there should be an organization that regulates it where somebody comes in every now and then to check like how's it doing how is your kid doing how are the how like like there's supposed up? to be some kind of regulation but there's not not there's in the not. u.s anyway there was a case recently the family who had homeschooled their kids they had filed as like a homeschool and gotten their license and they were keeping their 12 children chained up in a basement oh i remember that yeah yeah there should be someone going to check these places to make sure that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
thing with Germany. So again, you're not allowed to spank your kids in Germany with anything. And in 2013, secret camera footage was shown on a TV show of some 12 tribes adults beating six children with 83 strokes of a cane in the space of a few hours. Jesus fucking Christ. So Germany was like, nope, no, not happening. Okay. No. So and cracked down real hard. In America, hidden camera shows are prank shows. So I guess in yes. Germany, they're not. Well, this is kind of like an investigative journalism hidden camera. Oh, uh, okay. That's a little different. Yeah. So like I said, this cult is still going strong. Yeah. They operate that. furniture stores, kids, kids clothing outlets, a printing press, leather shops, soap factories, whole food outlets, cafes, bakeries, and a couple of multi-million dollar construction firms. Holy shit. The biggest of which is Builders of Judah, which specializes in nursing homes and historic restoration. Uh, all of these places are staffed by 12 tribes community members, none of whom are being paid for their work. Of course not, because all the work they do is for God. All the work they do is for God, and you're not allowed to have money. Wait, wait, wait. Because that's, I wanna know, like, ungodly. So these are construction companies? Yes. Are they, like, I'm wondering if people can use them to, like, pay less for construction? I or, mean, they might. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think. It's like, they aren't paid, but, like, I would assume the elders are paid. Like, I don't know. Well, the, yeah, the community itself gets paid because they have to be able to fund housing and food right. for the community, but the individuals do not receive a wage or salary. Right. Okay. So, as I'm wrapping up here, mm -hmm. here are some fun facts about the 12 tribes' views Great. on women. Oh, wonderful. Wives must submit to their husbands and are encouraged to have at least seven children. Seven? Condoms, seven. Condoms in the pill are forbidden. Of course they are. A member of the Cambridge, New York community named David Woodward has this to say. I listen to my wife. She is the mother of my children and she sees things that I don't see. But she tends to be weak in her ability to be objective at times. So I think she needs my objective rule sometimes to say, you know, I think we're going to do it this way. I'm going to punch him in the face. I figured, yeah. On black people. Oh, wonderful. Eugene Spriggs is quoted saying, submission to whites is the only condition by which blacks will be saved. How did I and know that, that, like, white nationalism was going to rear its ugly somehow head here? here. I, yeah. even said, I even said, like, countries with large white Christian populations. Yep. Uh, there are black members of the 12 tribes who are not necessarily treated differently, but it is their opinion, according to the scripture, that black people are subservient yeah it's not people. according to any fucking scripture assholes no okay, so the so david woodward again runner up oh but first before i go on eugene spriggs also said that martin luther king was filled with all manner of evil of course uh, just for fun facts but just, yeah. david woodward again runner up for worst person in this story uh said it comes from the scriptures that there was a curse on the black race and that they would be the servants. Where? Now, if you really don't understand it in the right context and how it's supposed to be, then you can imagine all kind of things. But if you look at some of the real history from the slaves and some of their own writings, a lot of them really liked their life. They weren't oppressed and abused. Some were. There were some abuses. But I think those are being capitalized on. Yeah, slavery was fine. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Super great. On the gays. No. Homosexuality is, according to them, both a choice and a sin. Of course it is. From David Woodward again. Oh. They weren't born that way. They made certain choices because of certain things within the family structure. If anybody was, ho if everybody was homosexual, the human race would die off. Nature teaches you that. 
I don't have any personal bias. I think they've made wrong choices. I don't have any personal bias, but also they're wrong. Also, they're wrong. Yeah, not everyone is homosexual. That's kind of the point. That's kind of the point because it's not a choice. Yeah. Eugene Spriggs is less soft on this. Wonderful. He says homosexuals deserve the death penalty. Uh, Of course he does. On the Jewish. Oh, okay, great. The Jews done killed Jesus and they are not off the hook for it. But 12 Tribes does celebrate some Jewish festivals and gives bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah celebrations to its kid. Just what? (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. They're not outwardly anti-Semitic, but they do, like, they take a lot of influence from the Old Testament and Judaism, but they do think that the Jews done killed Jesus, and that was bad. They the should Jews not did that. not kill Jesus, guys. No. Uh, so the Romans I, did. I highly recommend that people look up the Sydney Morning Herald story, which is called The Secrets of the Family. Uh, this is a tale about one couple's indoctrination and escape from the cult. It's very well written and gives a more personal account of life in the community. Uh, and then also thanks again to Susan for giving me a reason not to ever go to the Yellow Deli again. Susan. Yeah. Susan, we need to talk. Susan didn't know. Well, Susan had a feeling. Yeah, but also, so they have a lot of companies, the... The 12 tribes, they have a lot of companies. They're very good at managing them because it's basically slavery because they don't pay their workers. Yeah. So if there is a a bookstore called The Lighthouse near you, I would look into it. It might be owned by them. Holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. What's really sad is that that fucking bookstore popped up. It took away the the independently owned guitar store that was there. So now there's a fucking cult bookshop. Possibly. It's a bookshop slash cafe. It might be a cult bookshop bookshop i would great. look into it great i'm gonna because they that. do have a lot of cafes and bakeries great okay yeah don't go to the yellow deli it doesn't matter how good or wholesome their food is they're working the people there aren't the people that are working there are indoctrinated into a cult they will talk to you about the 12 tribes the drop of a hat they're very open about it they'll give you pamphlets and stuff but they are super in a cult it is not a good thing and no. they're not being paid yeah yeah. Any tips you, you've left in the past for the Yellow Deli did not go to your waitress or waiter. They did not go to your waitress or waiter. They went straight to the community. Also, Eugene Spriggs has used a lot of cult money to buy a boat. Cool. Of course he did. And he, I think he also has a personal plane, but I don't remember. He just spends all of his time going around to various 12 tribes communities all over the world. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah. So that's what you're supporting when you go to the Yellow Deli. There are so many other vegan restaurants you can go to that aren't cults. That aren't cults. They're maybe not as good, but just doesn't matter. There's a place in Oakland called Hella Vegan Eats, which is um, great. I've been there. There's also like, it's also dog friendly. So there's just dogs everywhere. It's wonderful. Nice. Nice. There is a place in Vegas that I went to. Shit. I, a place in Vegas I went with Nat to. It was really fucking good. They had like the best buffalo cauliflower that I've ever had in my life. But yeah, so basically uh, look into any sort of like christian or whole food or whatever corporation before you go there and make sure it's not owned by 12 tribes yeah because i did not know about the yellow deli until this and i have been there multiple times that's frightening yeah you are unknowingly supporting a cult yes and i do not want to do that no thank you they have a bunch of you can go onto their website and see all their locations okay Uh, they have a number of locations like i said all open 24 7 
or not well 24 5 24 5 yeah to get them youths in just because it has free wi-fi doesn't mean go to starbucks starbucks also has free wi-fi you don't gotta and it's not owned by a cult yeah you don't gotta buy anything from them just go there and use their wi-fi yeah they're not gonna care the barista doesn't care no, they really don't give a shit. Unless they're racist, yeah. but even then, like, Starbucks is doing that whole thing where it's like, we're not gonna do that anymore. Yes, they're <laughs> doing their best. They're doing their best. They're doing their best. Unlike the Yellow Deli, which is actively racist. Yep. Yep. So that's 12 tribes. Cool, thanks for that. You're welcome. Uh-huh. The moral of the story is, like I said, look, look into who owns the place you're going to. Yeah, just because it's independently owned, quote-unquote, doesn't mean it's good. No. Doesn't mean it's a good thing. Does not mean it's a good thing. Who is it, it independently owned by? That's the question. Yeah. That is the question. Yeah. But yeah, that's my tale. Great. Thanks for that, I guess. You're welcome. We didn't go super long. Well, I mean, it also, it wasn't as bad as the Ant Hill Kids, but. No, nothing's as bad as the Ant Hill Kids. Yeah, but it was still, like, bad. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of, it's it's very much, they, they do vilify, I've, I've read a couple of accounts of people who've left the cult. They do very much vilify people who leave. They cut you off from your family who remains in the cult. There's a woman named Sammy. That's not the name she was given, but that's what she changed her name to. uh, Who ran away from the cult as a teenager and only has contact with her sister. She did a documentary with A&E and she fears that once that gets out, that the cult will completely cut off all contact she has with her sister. There is a couple from Australia, the ones that were in the uh, Sunday Sydney Morning, Her- Morning Herald mm-hmm. story. They left together, but one of their daughters was getting married to another oh. boy in the cult, and she wanted to stay. Oh, no. And they let her because she was an adult, and they have not spoken to her since. No. They have not yeah. been. A- Every time they go to talk to her, the cult stops them from speaking to her. Yeah. So it's like, no, people are disappearing into this community. Well, and there are people that don't exist, basically, because children are born. Yeah. Because they, they also think that uh, giving birth with painkillers or anything is against God. Well, of course, so, yeah. So, yeah. So you I can't, mean, that's a given. Like, you don't go to the hospital if you're pregnant. If you're giving birth, you don't go to the hospital. You have your baby where it is. Yeah. I don't think that they're against medicine as in general. I think if someone was sick, they would take them to the hospital. But for things like pregnancy, no. No, that's a... That's the price you pay for being a woman. Yep. Eve's curse. Yeah. According to the Bible. Yeah. There you go. That's what I have for you today. Cool. Thanks for that, Christina. Thanks, Susan, for the recommendation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Thank you uh, to the many websites that I looked up all this information on. I just, I just... Why? Why? Yeah. Why are things the way that they are? So now that we're sufficiently bummed... Yep. I guess we wrap it up. We do not have any stories this week. No, I'm going to just have to post pictures of Louie. Just do that. Post pictures of your dog. Yeah, I'm just going to post pictures of Louie on the Twitter. What about Stitches, though, also? I'll post the video of Stitches playing with D&D dice. Yeah. That's my favorite video of her. Kitties. But I was thinking Louie because Louie has been in my lap for this podcast a few times. Yes, he has. He has, indeed. And apparently apparently everyone loves, like, listening to you watch Louie because you just sound (laughs) like- He's so cute. Yeah. I love him. Well, my He's so cute. My mom's going to come visit us when we move down and she's going to bring nice. Louie with her. Puppies are good. Yeah. Dogs are good. Cats are good. They're too good. I love them all. I know you do. On a, a different note, uh, before we sign off, Kate and I have started a podcast. Oh, yeah. My friend Kate and I have started a podcast, which this comes out on Friday, so it will have come out on Wednesday, the first episode. 
We are talking about the comic The Wicked and the Divine, which is very oh. good. Oh, no. That is what the, <laughs> it's called. The co- the podcast is called Once More with Feelings. <laughs> and if you like that comic, then you should listen to I it. Don't, we talk about the most recent like issue. I don't know if like is the proper word. That's fair. If you have strong emotions about that comic. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't read it and you like this podcast, I highly recommend you reading it. We've mentioned it on the podcast a few times. Yes, we have. It's very good. It's, yep. So. That's, yeah. Uh, it'll ruin your life, but also it's great. It's so good. It's so great. So that's what I'm I'm also doing. But also if you live in San Francisco or in the San Francisco Bay Area or Boston area or Chicago area, there are meetings. There are Wicked and Divide meetings that they have every time yeah, there's support a group issue. Yeah. They're called support They're groups. They're called support groups, yeah. Because like we said, you don't like the comic. You have strong emotions about it. Yeah. Well, and Christina, now that I'm moving to LA and I don't have my support group anymore, we should just start one in LA. Hell. Hell yeah. I'm down for it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in the LA area, that might happen soon. So uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, please like, rate, review, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard or if you just had strong emotions about it. Yeah. You can uh, also... What can you also do that's relevant to this? You can tweet us. Oh. Uh, you can, you can you kidnap can, a child and you make can national kidnap news. A child. You can kidnap a child. Don't, you don't can kidnap children. Get your family's, uh, you could get your family's DNA tested uh, to see if there's any cool, like, cults and stuff in their back, in their backgrounds or I don't know if weird I'm, relations. One of these days, I've, I've mentioned this several times, one of these days my dad's going to be on the podcast to talk about when he was a Scientologist. One day. One day. It'll be good. It was like three months. If you have any of those stories, you could email them to us at cultscriptedconspiracies at gmail.com. But if you have any little like book quotes to remind us about good omens and whatnot or uh, small corrections, things like that, feel free to tweet them to us at C3 Podcast. You can also uh, message us on Facebook. We forgot to put that meme up. I just remembered. What meme? The, The big brain meme from last week. Oh, well, you can post it now. I can do it now. We're bad at it. Yeah. You know, it's whatever. Um, we also but forget you could... to post pictures all the time. Constantly. So go ahead and yell Please at us on like us. Twitter and Facebook. Feel free to yell that. at us about yeah. the pictures. Yeah. You got to put up the pictures of Bobby. Bobby slash Bruce. Oh, yeah. I will do that. As soon as I find, like, because the one on Wikipedia is really tiny. I got to find like a decent sized one. That's fair. But yes, yeah, so you can go onto Facebook and talk to us there. Or you can rate us like Lacey did last week. Thank you, Lacey. Thank you, Lacey. And uh, yeah. Do all those things. Engage with us. We love you. Yes. We like engaging. Mm-hmm. Send us stories so that we don't have to end on child abuse. Because you know, Christina doesn't adhere to the rules that I try to adhere by. Bummersville has no rules. Bummersville is a state of being. Okay. Yep. I, for those of you who haven't listened to every single episode, my rule is that we shouldn't end on a bad story. And yet Christina constantly breaks this rule. They're so good, though. They're very interesting. Well, why couldn't you have saved this story for next week? Because I didn't have another idea for this week. <sighs> how do you not have... How are you... Okay, so you're the one who makes, like, entire fucking research papers, but I'm the one that has, like, 40 things backed up for what I'm going to do for every week. I don't know. I got stuff I'm doing. I don't know. All right. Listen, I got six and a half pages of work here. Oh, my God. All right. Well, goodbye, everyone. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye, Chelsea. Bye, Christina. So we're hearing back from that hipster's fuck place today. Okay. And cross your fingers that we get it, because otherwise it's going to be another, like, week until we move in. Oh, I hope that you, you do get it.
the place that's going to be down the street from a 24-hour Whole Foods. <laughs> I know. You Every single time you talk about moving, you mention the 24-hour Whole Foods. I'm I think really, you would rather move in there. I'm really excited about the 24-hour Whole Foods. It's over 24 hours. You could just go in there every now and then, every couple hours, buy something so they can't kick you out and just live there. I mean, yeah, but I also, like, don't know where I would keep my computer if that happened. Eh, you could find a bathroom stall. Hijack it. Just like crouch in there forever. You just gotta make friends with one of the employees and they'll they'll hook you up, you know? Yep. With the Wi Fi password. <laughs> does 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 Whole Foods have Wi Fi? They probably do. I imagine. Most stores have Wi Fi now because like That's you true. know they have their own like computers and whatnot that need to work. Yeah. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.